Hey, Core Church, we are continuing our series, actually finishing our series today called Quarantine, where we've been looking at different uh, men and women in Scripture who have either been self-quarantined or they were quarantined against their will. And so this week, I was planning to talk about David, and I just thought, you know, if I'm going to talk about David, I might as well talk to the guy who wrote the book on it, like literally wrote the book on it. Uh, if you don't know, this is uh, one of my really good friends, Matt Nelson. He's the pastor of City Church here in Tulsa. And if you're thinking about Googling when their services are, um, you're not meeting on Sundays. Right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you, you can't go in person there, there either right now. Uh, but we've been friends for a long time. And I love this book. And when I really started thinking about David, I just thought, man, I just need to have you talk about it. Because there was a season, and you know, we look at David's life and we see David as this king and this, oh, he's the guy who killed Goliath. And he's the guy, and by the way, if you're new to church and you're like, I don't even know who David is, David's the guy who killed Goliath and then became uh, probably the greatest king the world has ever known. Uh, but that's kind of, we kind of stop there. We don't realize many times how hard David's life was and how he had this season of quarantine where he was uh, a wilderness season where he was in, in a cave where he was running for his life. And so Matt's going to talk about that. It's a big part of his book. But let's pray and then, and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you for the moment we have now to um, look at this man in scripture and how you work through his life when he was in a difficult season. And I just pray right now that you would help us whatever environment we are in. Help us to be able to concentrate and focus and, and hear in the midst of distractions, those things that we need to hear in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so the book is called The Beauty of the In-Between and I'm telling you, this you came and spoke to the men at our church and the guys, a lot of guys got this book. It is an insanely amazing book. Kind of tell us a little bit about the book and then we'll, we'll kind of get into it. Yeah, I've always had just kind of this obsession with the life of David, just the complexity of part poet, part warrior, part king, just, I was always drawn to the life of David and the stories. And then when I, when I began to get in it more and more, I, I, it really became a life message for me. And so something for years now that's just kind of been a message. And, and really the beauty of the in-between is, is learning to fall in love with the process, um, the in-between moments of life. And so I get rather addicted to the destination. Uh, I don't know if you're like that. I like to know where I'm going. I like to have clarity and I like to get there fast. Yeah. And this book is about learning to love where you're at and not where you want to be. And I really just take the life of David. It's almost kind of like a rubric. It's kind of in the background of this, you know, of the book of just we look at the life of David and some of the places that he went because he had a lot of stops along the way. And when you look at these stops in David's life, they shaped him deeply. Mm -hmm. They shaped his ministry. They shaped his life. In fact, I would say he would have never arrived at the palace. He would have never been the king that he was if he didn't have these quarantine moments. Mm -hmm. Along the way. So in the book, you break it into three sections. Um, it was the pasture, the cave. And the palace. And the palace. Right. Um, so we're going to talk kind of encamp in this area of, of the cave. Right. Bring us up to that point, though, of where he finds himself in the cave. Yeah. So some of you know the story of David. If not, you know, at a young age, he's anointed the next king over all of Israel. Samuel comes in. I mean, David's out in the pasture. Next thing David knows, he's got oil flowing down his face. He's trying to figure out what just happened. Uh, and Samuel says, you're the, you're the next king. Except there's a problem. They already have a king. Saul's the king. 
And so David actually goes back to the pasture as a shepherd after he's anointed king. It's like he doesn't go into this internship for kings. He goes back to the pasture. Then you have this David and Goliath story where David goes from nobody to, to somebody overnight. And then it's a meteoric rise. I mean, just meteoric rise to fame, second command over the armies of the living God. I mean, second in command over all of Israel behind Saul. Then 1 Samuel 19 happens. And uh, these are the moments in life you don't plan. Mm -hmm. These are what I'd say the death of the 10-year plan, the five-year plan. When all of a sudden this jealousy wells up in Saul, and, and the next thing David knows, he is dodging spears as Saul tries to pin him against the wall. Because of his relationship with Jonathan, he's able to escape. And 1 Samuel 19, 20, 21 is, I mean, some weird chapters in the Bible where David actually goes to Ahimelech, the priest, and he walks in. This would be like the vice president of the United States walking into a place and the guy like, where's your entourage? Mm -hmm. Like, don't you have secret service and David's alone? He says, what do you need? And he's like, I'll take the bread that's consecrated to God. Do you have a weapon? And Ahimelech says, the only weapon we have is Goliath's sword. What's the irony of that? That's, that is one of the craziest parts in scripture. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like all we have is this, it's like on display in the museum that you brought us, to like show God's faithfulness, and David's like, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. Then he acts like a madman in front of, uh, in, in Gath, and then he gets to the cave of Adullam, alone, by himself. And, and can you imagine all of the things David is trying to process as he realizes everything that he thought was going to be is not? I, that is a really bizarre journey for him that that's where you think it's almost all over like in fact in the series as we called it quarantine is really a metaphor for like the cave it's this idea that sometimes we go through a crisis we go through a struggle setback a heartbreak whatever it is it's something that's unexpected like like COVID-19 right. is completely unexpected and this is exactly where David finds himself in something that's completely unexpected absolutely yeah I think that we get to this cave and it is a metaphor for what we all go through. And there is a deep soul work that happens in the cave that honestly, I don't know if it would happen if it was in any other way. You don't experience some of this when you just go from mountaintop to mountaintop. Mm -hmm. it, it's in the valleys, and, and we've actually talked about this in some of just our, our pastor group that gathers together. We've talked about how transition and the shaking leads to transformation. Yeah, It does. It, it disrupts sort of the status quo in your life and it gets you out of your places of comfort and honestly moves you into places that otherwise you would never be. And let me tell you, David did not want to be here. That's not how he envisioned this happening. But this, now stop there for a second because I, I think, and maybe it might be just even this part of the country, but I don't think it is. But in, in Christianity, I think many times we think, um, well, uh, I don't, if I have just have enough faith and, and, the only, and the only reason this bad thing is happening to me is because I'm under attack and I need to rebuke that. Right. And we, uh, we would never say that, and I'm not saying that you know, God caused COVID-19 at all, sure. I would, and I haven't said that, but I, I think though that God works in the midst of that and there's something that God's trying to do in the middle of that, but many times we just kind of push it off and don't even think that God could even be working in the midst of it. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, part of in the book I say, people need to develop a theology of suffering. If, if you don't have a, a theology of suffering, you won't make it. Because suffering is a reality. Mm. Of we live in this kingdom that's been inaugurated through Christ's resurrection and death and resurrection, but we're still not in the kingdom to come. Mm -hmm. So there's still darkness and sin and disease, and it affects the righteous and the unrighteous. And so 
here we are navigating these difficulties and struggles and sufferings at the same time knowing that God never wastes it. Mm-hmm. Like he never wastes those moments. And that's a hard tension yeah. to live in yeah. you know, and to wrestle with. Well, because you, you, when we pray in those moments, our prayer, come on, yeah. is yeah. God rescue me. Deliver me. Uh, which, Give honestly, me if you read a lot of the Psalms that David sure. wrote, he was, That's fair. he was saying the That's same fair. thing. Yeah, yeah. Get me out. It's not like David was in the cave going, all right, I'm right in the place where God wants me. Yeah. and do his work. I mean, this was a miserable yeah. time for him in, in, his, in his life. But let's talk a little, just for a moment again about this idea of suffering because uh, even in the midst of the past, you know, I don't know, almost 90 days that we've kind of been in this, not quite, but getting close to three months of just misery and thinking, um, how do you process God being in that? And how do you, even as a pastor, how do you articulate that? So God's, so, so this pain that's happening to me, God, God's in that, right. and God's going to do something with that. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Why would God do that? Yeah, yeah. I think we have to to try to picture of what what is God's ultimate desire for us. It, it's not necessarily to alleviate all the tensions and difficulties. It's in order to really win our hearts mm-hmm. and and to refine us and, and bring us into His image. And how many know, like a good mother or father, you discipline your kids? And what does Hebrew says? Discipline is, is love. Right. It's, we, we love our kids, and so we shape and we fashion their hearts. And I, I think, again, if we don't face some of the difficulties and struggles, do you ever learn to walk by faith? Mm. I mean, there's no tension there. Right. right, right. Why do you need faith? Why do you need faith <laughs> if life is great? Yeah. And I think it's in these moments that God deeply, deeply shapes men and women and leaders. And I think if you look and you look at history, I mean, Moses and Joseph and Jacob and Abraham and Elijah, all these men and women of God who it just, at some point they were like, well, this wasn't how it was supposed to go. Yeah. And yet God was, we know because we read it in hindsight, was smack dab in the middle of it. So we've had some private conversations in our pastor's group of this idea because honestly in our group, as guys, each of us have had our moments, all of us, where we have just been broken. Oh, it's Because uh, we've been together so long, we've known each other. And, and I mean like some very, very- Like real, real stuff. Like as, as brutal as it can possibly get, yeah. broken. Things we don't share with you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> things we don't talk about, but I'm so grateful though. Yeah. Like I don't even know how I would survive uh, some of the things that I've gone through and they've just been there to help each other. But so this idea though of uh, being broken and one of the, kind of uh, private conversations, not private, but just conversations we've had over lunches is that it's almost like if you want to be used by God, you've got you've to gotta be broken first. And yeah. so here's David, right? and he's being broken. Talk, talk yeah. about that. I mean, I, I think God brings these men and women to a place of complete emptying. Because if you're not emptied, I think you end up like Saul. Saul was the person that practice partial obedience. You remember if you go back a few chapters in 1 Samuel 15, it's, it's, he says, hey, I want you to, when you go in, don't spare anybody, don't, don't take all this. And he spares the king and the gold and all these things. And when Samuel shows up, he's like, where's Saul? Oh, Saul's down there. He's actually building a monument in honor of himself, <laughs> right? And that's what we do when we're not emptied. And I, I think you are kind of signing up for this school of brokenness when you say, God, whatever, whatever you want to do in me and through me, 
And I think God brings us to a place where there's none of us left in us. Mm. And I don't think that happens through <laughs> just victory after victory. Yeah. I think that, that comes to a letting go. And I mean, Brad knows this about me. I've detailed this in my book, but I mean, I went through an intense season of brokenness as a pastor and sickness and disease and difficulty and struggle. And would I ever want to relive that? Not in a million years. Would I ever trade what God has done? Not in a million years. And it's, it's weird. Yeah, That's a weird tension to get mm -hmm. to, to say, God, thank you for the gifts that you birth in the most difficult season of my life. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that, uh, our good friend, Blaine Bartell, next week. We're oh, gonna, awesome. We're gonna talk about brutal, yeah. uh, how out of the brutal can come something beautiful yeah. and nobody wishes for the cave and no one ever wants to go back to the cave because you'd be kind of sick and sadistic in a way if you kind of wanted to go back to that. Absolutely. But then you have this way in which you thank God for how he was with you yeah. and walked with you through that cave. Yeah, I, th I think you come out of those moments with, man, there's just a, a new appreciation and understanding of God's grace. Mm -hmm. Again, a, a new humility. And to me, man, if you want to know what I feel like turns the face of God towards you, humility. Mm -hmm. Man, that's something we need now more than ever before in leaders. And that's what's lacking, I think, in a lot of leadership today. And that only happens through emptying. <laughs> that doesn't happen through success after success mm -hmm. because you take pride in yourself. But when you're emptied, you're saying, okay, God, there's nothing that you can't ask for. Like the answer is yes. Now tell me what's the question, mm -hmm. you know? So this idea of being in the cave, even right now, when we're talking about this, this idea of, uh, I think right now in the, we've been talking about in our, in our context, in our church, and we, I know you guys have as well, and we have around lunches that I think God is intentionally slowing us down like he didn't start or cause COVID-19 right. but he is working through it Absolutely. um I but the whole idea is I want to get through it as quickly as I can but talk to talk about that for a moment like for those that are like hey we're, we're going to phase three here we go finally getting back to a sense of normalcy I'm ready to go and get out of this but this idea of why do you why do you think we need to slow down what do you think God's trying to do yeah God, man, that's a, that's such a big question and uh, the, uh, the question I've been asking people is even when I've been meeting them and we're meeting in kind of a smaller group right now and hey tell me what what are you struggling with as a result of this but also tell me the gifts that God has given you in the midst of this and the stories of man the time with my family and the time of just recentering myself and, and forcing to slow down and Again, I think that's what God does. The brutal things is he brings the beautiful out of the struggle. That's what God does. He resurrects things that are dead and, mm -hmm. and, and pulls that out. And, and I think that there's some things that God wants to do even in the church that this is only going to accelerate. Mm -hmm. You know, the yeah. shaking and the disruption says, right. hey, man, you know what? We, we already needed to be moving here. Now let's accelerate towards this mission of God. Mm -hmm. How do we reach people around us with the gospel and all those people who don't care about your church and don't care about your production like how do we be the gospel and go in, into their world right right mm -hmm. where where you live and where you play and all those things and I see some of that happening and so in the midst of difficulty I celebrate that God's stirring yeah the church it's a good thing well and even just this week we've been dealing in the tension of that because I just I I just want to go back to normal like anyone else sure. like and we all talk about this new normal or whatever, but I, I mean, I, I, 
can we just not go back to, let's just have church on Sunday, let's do our groups, let's, the way things were a few months ago, and we just, this week, just this week, made a decision, said, okay, we're gonna go, we're, we're gonna go slow, and we're not gonna come back to this large in-person gathering. One, for the safety of our, of our people and our community, but the other, just, I have this deep sense that God's saying, I don't want you to come back just yet. I want you, I want to speak to you. I need you to slow down. Talk to me about uh, David though, because David in, in here, he's second in command. He's, he's, uh, he's fast tracking. I mean, he's been anointed king. And if he just kind of stays close to Saul and, and handles things right, or not even handles things right, but just does certain things, maybe he can kind of coerce things, make things work so he can kind of stay instead of having to be on the run. Then he has this moment in the cave where he can get out of COVID-19 quickly. Like I, I can end it now and I can ascend to the throne where he has the opportunity to kill Saul. It's the danger of that. Absolutely. Yeah, fast tracking your, your road to success. It, I, I would say shortcut the process. Uh, there's even a chapter in the book that talks about, we think it's, it's, a, we, we think it's a shortcut. It's always a detour. Like Ooh. you think it's a shortcut mm. in your life, mm. it's not. You, you can't shortcut God's process. And I love that about David, that he gets to this moment where it's like, kill Saul, eliminate what's standing in front of me, get mm -hmm. to the palace. And he says, nope, I'm going to honor God's anointed. Right? Even if it means that I run for another five years. Mm. There are very few people who are willing to do that. I, I think that's one of the greatest revealers of the heart of David. That's why he's so complex to me, because it's like he can wipe out an army over here, write a poem over here. And then, you know, he's just... He's just a complex individual, but realizing, saying, if God wants me to be king, God's going to do it in his timing, not my timing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to honor God, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to continue to do what he's called me to do. Do you think that was because he was close to the heart of God, as we know about David? Or do you think that was his instinct? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've gone back when, when later on in the New Testament, when he's even described as a man after the heart of God, there were things about him. Like even you remember Mephibosheth, he goes back and he honors him mm -hmm. just because he's in the family of Saul. Yeah. David did things to honor God and honor people. You remember even when he's confronted with his sin after Bathsheba, he immediately, instead of cursing out Nathan or saying, who are you to come against me? He falls on his face and repents. There are just certain things that mm -hmm. it's like, I think David's heart towards God, his, his softness towards the things of God, and is willing to honor God no matter what, I think that's why God was saying, okay, I can continue to give you more. Now, Look I, what you've done with So this. I don't know if this is even in the book, but I want, to, I want you to speak to this. is Because I think it's in the cave that our heart becomes hardened against God. Mm -hmm. And that's where can we be. can't hear God. And what I hear you saying is he just kept this open heart, this yeah. tender heart yeah. towards God. How, how would you, how would you uh, speak to that? Like, how do we... When it's not going well, yeah. how do I keep my heart from getting hardened or getting bitter or angry or turning? Yeah, that is a huge, huge piece of the story because it's in the cave. You've been, um, somebody's let you down, somebody's betrayed you, uh, someone's turned on you, things haven't happened. And in that moment, you do come to a fork in the road and it can, you can walk toward bitterness and disillusionment. And God, if you were good, why would you do this? And all these things because your plans didn't work out or you can trust that God is 100% good. Mm -hmm. I say this all the time in my church. 
God's not 99.9% good and open to a 0.1% of not loving you or doing mm. what's good. He's 100% good. That means God never leads you into destruction. And to trust God that in the midst of that, and you, you have a choice, and there's a lot of people that become bitter in the cave mm-hmm. and come hard-hearted. And I think there was something about David. I think he would come to Adullam a little bit disheartened, naturally. But then all these people that he didn't think he would ever be around begin to, to come around in the, the indebted, the people nobody wanted, the people who were in prison. They begin to gather around him, and, and David gets this new vision for what God wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like what I thought, but you know what? God's in it, and maybe it'll even be better mm-hmm. than what I had planned. Talk about that, being in the cave and getting a new vision. Yeah. Yeah, you, you come out of this time of brokenness, and, and I think one, one of the things that did in my life when I came out of the cave is I began to hold my plans very loosely. People are like, hey, what's your five-year plan? And I'd be like, I don't have one anymore. Because <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Like my five-year plan never happened. So here's what I do. Here's what I can do. I can be obedient every day to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I can hold my plans loosely. And I learned if I do that, then I can actually move with what the Spirit of God is doing. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, nope. My plans, mm. nothing else. And I think that's what you're doing right now as we come back from this, this crisis, as we reopen, we're, Spirit of God, what are you trying to do right now? Mm-hmm. So instead of just jumping back into what we knew, how can we navigate and, and really be sensitive to what God's wanting to do in a new way? I, I think that's the beauty of a crisis too, yeah. if there is beauty in it in that way, is you can't think five weeks ahead when you're in a crisis you're moment by moment step by step and just trying to navigate where do i go like in COVID 19 yes. if you're a business owner or if you have a business or if you're working at a business you know this you're like okay well what's what's so we're going to phase three what's tomorrow what's tomorrow morning look like for me you can't think when you when we start thinking like okay what's going to be like this fall we have no idea nope. And that's how it is in the middle of the crisis. But then it, what it does is it forces you, hopefully, it forces you. What I guess I would say it this way. What God is trying to do is, is get you to turn and look to him and say, all right, I'll, I'll walk with you every, every step. That's exactly it. And yeah. one because, of my, because what is faith? It's learning right, to trust God in the journey. It's not that he gives you the next 10 steps. He usually gives you the next step. Yeah. Is yeah. this the chapter, am I in the chapter of clarity addicts? Yeah. Because yeah. that is one of my... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this chapter. That, did you uh, did you write that on me or something? No, you I wrote it about myself. Like, like man, I looked at it. I was like, that is yeah. that's my cha- my chapter right there because that's what I want that clarity. I want to know. Hey, here's where we're going. Like, think about people going into uh, 2020. You have your plan, right? I have my plan. I'm like, oh yeah. So I, I did a, a one week prayer retreat, and, I, and I, here's what we're gonna do in the coming years. What I think God's leading us to do. All yeah. that yeah. is just blown up. In a moment. Sometimes you can feel like you've missed God too when you're in the right. camp. Yeah, you, you can because again, we get, whether we know it or not, we get married to our plans and we, we, we hold on to them and this is how God needs to show up and what he needs to do. And I am still a recovering clarity addict. I, I love to have a plan, a strategic plan. If there's anything God's done in me in the last several years, it's learning to let go of mm-hmm. all of those things. Learning to get, needing to know and where I'm going to end up. Uh, a quick story, and I tell this in the book. Um, this guy, ethicist John Cavanaugh, he goes to India. He meets Mother Teresa. 
for the first time and he's talking with her, seeing the, the ministry in Calcutta and he asked Mother Teresa, uh, she asked him, how can I pray for you? And he says, would you please, please pray that I have clarity, just clarity in where I need to go and what I need to do. And, and, and she looks up at him and you know the story. And she says, no, I'm not going to pray that. See, I've never had clarity. What I'm going to pray is that you would learn to trust God in every step of your journey, mm. even when you don't know what's next. Mm. And I read that years ago and it was like, oh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes my clarity is, is so I don't have to trust mm. in the unknown. It's to eliminate the unknown. And yet the unknown is when, the, I think the cave is when we draw near, when we trust God and saying, God, I don't know, so I'm going to cling to you mm-hmm. and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to hold on to you. And I think there's something about that that God loves. Sometimes I think that clarity is the worst gift I could ever receive. Because then I don't really need God. I need God, but I'm more prone to to kind of handle it a little more on my own. But when I what I found is every time I start moving, like right now, these you know I the times of prayer, the times of intimacy with God have been next level for me. And I know for you as a pastor, because there is the the uh, I mean peeling back the curtain a little bit, it's very difficult for you and I because everybody wants to know when are we going to start having our Sunday in-person gatherings and like, hey, some churches are already meeting. Hey, some churches are waiting till August. Hey, what are you guys going to do? And either way you answer that, some people are going to be happy, some people aren't going to be <laughs> oh, happy. for sure. <laughs> and, for sure. And everybody thinks they've heard from God. Right. And here, and so I know for you and I, there's a, it's weighted in that as far as the, I mean, obviously the safety of people, but like, uh, what I appreciate about you and when we come together is what is God trying to do? Right. Like, okay, we know what the CDC is saying. We know, but what is God trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, how can we even leverage a global pandemic to not only see what God's doing, but then to move the people of God into that? Mm. What are things that we missed? What things have we been blinded from? Mm. What, what things has God been trying to shake and stir in us? Well, these moments of transitions are opportunities. Yeah. Now I lead a bunch of church planners and they're like freaking out because like they want me to know like September, should we go ahead and plan our church? I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen in September. <laughs> right. Maybe we go back into quarantine. I don't, I don't know, but here's what I do know. And just walk in obedience right. every day. Trust God and continue just to walk every day. This is what I think about even the cave when I, we're just going to talk about the church for a moment is I think we have to appreciate where we're at. Because we're at a time in history that very few have ever been. Now, it's not like we're the only ones who've ever been here. This has right. happened before, but but it's few have experienced this in history. And our tendency in the church and as followers of Jesus is, we just got to get back. We just got to get back. And instead of going, wait a minute. If God wanted us back, we would be back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So if he wants us back, well, okay, so... And when I say back, I should say back on Sunday mornings in our, in our traditional gatherings. But maybe, yeah. just maybe, God's saying, I have you in your home for a reason. I have you gathered in a small group with people for a reason. I think, I think of some people that, like David was alone in the cave. I think when he got those, when those men came to him, I, I wonder, I wonder, maybe you've done some research on this, but I wonder if before the cave, he would not have accepted those men as his mighty men, 
but he was so isolated and so alone and so humble that when he saw these men and the idea of relationship, and I think he saw these men completely different than he yeah. would have seen them before the cave. Oh, yeah. I, I think without the cave, there's no way that David sees that as a viable option going forward. <laughs> but because of the disruption in his life, because of what he experienced, now there's a new, there's a new perspective. Yeah. And it changes our perspective. And you know, we had this conversation in our pastor's group the other day that we'll let you in on. And we, you know, that God was already moving the people of God in the church in a specific direction. And this is a little bit like gasoline on the fire. Yeah. Right. Because again, we, we live, let's say the Tulsa and the surrounding areas, there's still 70% of people that don't know Jesus that don't attend church. Mm-hmm. And sometimes church, church growth is passing around the 30% pie. What do we do with the 70%? Yeah. The person living next to you, the person you work with, man, God, give us a passion for that person mm-hmm. that may not show up at church unless I take the gospel mm-hmm. and, and go to where God's called me and love them. And, you know, I, I just think maybe God, in the midst of that, like you've met your neighbor for the first time because you don't have anywhere to go. And, yeah. you know, all these things that I just believe that God's in the midst of. Yeah, I, I, I've been trying. You, you, you're ahead of me on, on that track. and you. <laughs> We've been talking about that for a long time. For a long time. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I, I just think we have to say, wait a minute. Okay, so if you're watching this on Sunday morning or whenever, you're, I'm in my house. Why does God have me in my house? Why am I here? Why am I in this neighborhood? And it's, I think, and we're going to be talking about this in our next series, is that I really believe that we are all called to be missionaries and we're on mission, on a mission field. Like your neighbors, you're a missionary. You, it's yes. the priesthood of all believers. And I really believe this is a part of what God is shaping in, in our cave right now. That where like when David came out of it, I, I think we see this in his Psalms that he would look back on, on the cave in that moment. I think he can see how much it shaped him as Absolutely. a leader. Absolutely. Yeah, it took him to a place that otherwise he would have never have gone. Um, in his faith, in his life, in his potential and what he was able to do. And I believe that for us, where, where God's leading you guys. I fully believe that the Spirit of God is in that. So what would you say uh, to someone that this morning is like, okay, Matt, yeah, uh, I get it. David, I'm with David, I'm tracking. I had all these plans. I had all these great things that were gonna happen and then suddenly my life kind of imploded or my plans have imploded. Right. I'm finding myself in, in, this, in this cave and I'm, and I'm not David, man. I'm just, right. I'm really struggling. Uh, what would you recommend for me? What sure. would you say that I could do to try to make it through the season? Because for David, it wasn't three months. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, the cave itself might've been three months, but the wilderness might've been up to 10 years. And sure. I don't want to put that on anybody that the next 10 years of your life are going to be like this. There is no timeline. Mm-hmm. But for those that are there, how, would, how can you help them navigate Yeah, that? I think it's, first of all, it's okay to grieve and mourn or lament that something's been lost. Uh, I had that moment the other day with my wife. We were just talking about some things that we were aspiring to do that now we haven't been able to. And there was just a little bit like, you know what? We're going to grieve that we don't get to do that. And that maybe plan or desire of ours is gone. But then at the same time, the, re- the reason this book is called The Beauty of the In-Between is you spend most of your life in the waiting, in the in-between. Mm. You don't spend it at the destination. And if you don't learn to love and fall in love with these in-between moments, it doesn't matter where you're at in your life right now, the answer to contentment and fulfillment is Christ. (laughs) That's what this book is about. It's not when you get to the palace. It's not when you arrive at some destination that you've set. 
No, the only way that you live a life of fulfillment is Christ mm-hmm. here and now. Oh, it's so good. Mountaintop or valley. Yeah. Paul said in, in Philippians, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, whether I'm well-fed and hungry, I've learned this secret, this mystery mm-hmm. of contentment no matter the circumstances. That's my prayer. Mm-hmm. God, whether it happens like I want to or it, it absolutely falls apart around me as long as I have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I want to find life in. And I can be quarantined and be in the midst of finding incredible peace and incredible life because you're with me. Yeah. That's good. Would you pray for us? Yep. I'd love to. Father, thank you for this time with Core Church, what you're doing in and through this body and community. Father, I think the things that you're stirring and that you're awakening, I thank you uh, for leadership like Brad and Laura, uh, the hearts that you've given them, the incredible pastors that they are. I pray that you would give them wisdom and insight. God, I pray for everybody today as we are living in an in-between, as we're living in a, in a quarantine moment, Father, that, that we would find Jesus. God, that there's not a, some other solution out there. There's not some other destination. You are the destination and you are fully enough for us. And so that we may be in the midst of a cave right now, but you are with us and you are good and you are leading us. So open our eyes to understand what you're doing, to see through the Holy Spirit, what you're wanting to do in us and how you're reshaping and reforming some things in our heart to lead us out of the cave into the places that you've called us. And I pray that for every person who's watching this sermon today, God, that you would be with them, guide them and lead them. I pray blessings upon their life. It's in Jesus' name we pray.